Hello, this is Pastor Mo, Senior Pastor at First Baptist Church of Broussard. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to these messages. My hope is that this sermon will be a benefit to your spiritual growth and that you will prayerfully take to heart the contents of this week's message. I also encourage you to pull up the accompanying sermon notes and follow along as you listen. If you have any questions or would like to follow up after the sermon, feel free to contact me or our staff here at First Baptist Broussard. May God bless you as we begin this week's sermon. An authentic, genuine, life-changing faith built on a firm foundation. That's what we've been discussing here for the last several weeks in this series on firm foundation, where we've been looking at various biblical truths and statements. Uh, there's about 12 in the series. Uh, we've moved most of those to Sunday nights, but each of these have different concepts about helping us to understand uh, what it is and how important it is that our faith is based upon uh, genuine facts and truth. Because as I've said before, what you believe matters. I've said it each week because it's so important to remember that what you believe will influence what you think, what you speak, and what you do. So it's important that we have truth and we have right beliefs and, uh, in, in what we do. Because just believing in anything is not sufficient. If I were to stand on a mountainside and, and proclaim to everybody, I can fly. I'm going to jump off. I'm not going to jump off here. But I'm going to jump off this mountain and I'm going to fly. I believe it. I've been praying about it. I've called all of you here today and I'm going to do it. And so I take the leap. Well, you can pretty much guess what's going to happen. I'm not going to fly, not up anyway, we'll go straight down. Because just because you believe something strongly enough doesn't mean that it's truth or that it's going to happen. That's why it's so important that we have our belief structure, our firm foundation of, that we build in our lives upon, upon biblical truths that are eternal and we can make decisions off of that. The key aspect of this is, is making sure we know what those beliefs are. But if you don't do and act and speak based off of what you believe, then it's really just an exercise in intellectual thought. Just knowing things is not enough. You've got to know something, but you've got to do something. Now, as I mentioned, there's in this series, we have sort of summarized, uh, try to distill it down, because the Bible which you should read through, everybody should read it through, and I encourage you to try to read through each year. Take about 20 minutes a day, 25 minutes a day, you could read through the Bible. You've got 25 minutes you can spend on it. So I encourage you to do that. But most people have a little difficulty grasping all that's in the Bible. But we've kind of distilled it down into about 12 statements that help us sort of summarize the basic elements of what it is that a true, authentic Christian should believe. And these help build the foundation upon which we can build our spiritual life. So up to this point, we've, we've come to this section. So let's read these firm foundation statements together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. 
He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again from the dead. Now these are about a little over half of the, of the general statements that sort of summarize. Now for the first few weeks we looked at, uh, I believe, the first Sunday about faith, how important it is that you know something. But just knowing something is not enough. You've got to put your trust your commitment and your obedience involved in that and to what you believe or, in this case, who you believe in God. So the second week we looked at God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and last Sunday, Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. Uh, And then we switched to Sunday nights, and that's what we're doing for the rest of the series, except for about two or three at the end. We've We've moved the teaching time to Sunday night. So come back tonight at 5.30. We'll look at... He descended to the dead, and the third day he rose from the dead. And that's some questions you may have about that, because it's not something we normally talk about. But I think once you understand what it is, it clarifies it. But uh, tonight, uh, we'll have a, a video by a Baptist pastor from Texas, Matt Chandler, who will be sharing, and then we'll discuss it and talk about it. Uh, so come back tonight for that. But what we have started last Sunday is to sort of take the general aspect of this and a few key points and then begin to apply them to specific actions and areas of our life. Last week, we really focused on God as Father Almighty and Jesus as the Savior, Christ, and the Son. And we looked at, when we understand that, that should give us a contented and confident faith where worry and fear have no place. So if you believe the right things and you place your faith in the right person, then fear, worry, doubts should not rule your life. Now, it doesn't mean you'll never be tempted to do that because there are so many things out there. And our past history is often to repeat things that we've done. We've learned, most of us have learned to worry. We've learned to fear. We've learned to have concerns. And that's not appropriate. Even though our parents may have done it, the people before us, our friends may be doing it, That's not what the Bible teaches, and that's what God wants for us. So we have to overrule that by reminding it what it is that we believe, who we believe, and then let that influence our thoughts, our words, and our actions. It can make a difference. If you just put this link together, it can help you deal with most, if not all, of the issues that you deal with in life. It strengthens us, encourages us on that. So... Today, we're kind of taking the idea of God as creator and Jesus as Lord, those two elements, and applying it, well, the rest of this month, actually, and on through June, it's National Family Month. So we're going to be looking at family issues uh, at, at various points and issues. Now, this Sunday, today, we're going to be looking at building biblical marriages and relationships. Now, some of you here may say, well, I'm not married or I'm not married yet, so this doesn't apply to me. No, that's not the case. Because every one of you here knows someone who's married, right? And every one of you here knows someone whose marriage needs to be built on biblical principles. So whether it's your marriage that you're working on or one that you, if you get married in the future, or you can use this as a tool to minister to another family. What a blessing if you could talk to a young couple or a middle-aged couple who may be struggling 
and be able to share with them some truths and some teachings. It may be just what they need to help push them through to make a difference. So keep that in mind, whether it's for your marriage or for you to use as a ministry out there. You also notice I added just relationships, sort of as a secondary concept here, because the principles we're talking about will also deal with any type of relationship, whether it's between parent and child, brothers or sisters, friend to friend, or co-workers. So on a secondary level, but the, the, some of the principles apply the same. So let's remind ourselves that our firm foundation is based upon the Word of God. We want to build a biblical godly marriage uh, on biblical principles. And the two key aspects I want you to remember today, since God is creator and Jesus is Lord, that should make a difference in the way we live our lives, in the way we deal with people and relationships, and especially in our marriages. So we're going to look at some different scriptures today that uh, help reinforce that. And the <clears throat> first one will be in Genesis. But we'll give you three building blocks. Now, you, I could give you dozens, but I, I don't think you want to stay here all day. And so we're just going to brief it to three, three foundational blocks. Number one, God created marriage as a loyal and loving partnership between one man and one woman. So this is the foundational principles and teaching. Now, let's go see what the Word of God has to say. I know what the world says, okay? We know what the world says. The world has come up with different definitions of what a family is, what a marriage is, and a lot of other things. I'm not here today to judge or condemn. Nothing I say today has anything to do with any hate speech I am just saying that there is a difference between what the Bible states and what the world believes. I'm not making a judgment call. I'm just saying there is a difference. And today I'm focusing on the biblical viewpoint. That's why I said biblical marriage. Because I believe there is a difference. You, this, this is my opinion now, so you may agree or disagree. But in my opinion... Since God created marriage, only people who are covenanted together in his name are truly married in the biblical sense. Anything else is a civil union or a civil marriage. Now, I'm not saying that that's not love, that's not applicable. I'm just saying there is a biblical model, and we're going to look at that, and then there is a, another model. So just put that out there that we're talking about biblical covenant marriages, but I'm not criticizing and I'm not hating on anyone and I'm not judging anyone, but there is a difference and we need to know there's a path that God has laid out for us, designed uh, and the principles to the Bible, and then there's the one that the world has decided to go. You can freely choose and you have the right to choose either path and we should respect your right to do that, but the point is there is a biblical model that I think will give us the clearest, wisest, firmest foundation for our life. Because I think we can look around us today and see how divorces have shot up and how marriages have shot down. Fewer and fewer people are getting married today. And those that are, are struggling. So it's, this is a vital issue. Even if you're not married or not planning to be married, 
as I mentioned before, you need to be a marriage ambassador for biblical marriage. So, if you want to look in your Bibles, uh, I think the first one I have on the, uh, the insert, the rest of them I just have the references. But let's look at a couple of these, just in case you didn't agree with what I said. And you have the right to do that. Everybody has the right to be wrong. I'm sorry. Everybody has the right to their own opinion. But uh, let's look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock and the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God, and he created them male and female. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Now, if you'll jump on down to Genesis chapter 2, 15 through 18. The Lord God took man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it, to watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat of, from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day you eat it, you will certainly die. Then the, the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. In verse 22. Then the Lord made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, This one at last is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. She was taken from man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Both the man and his wife were naked and felt no shame. So the scriptures and the, right there lays out many, many different principles. And we don't have time to address all those this morning. Just want to kind of take a few of the main things. Because what we're looking at is when you read the scriptures, when you read the Bible, you need to look and see what principles are here. We don't live 2,000 years ago. We don't live like they did 4,000 years ago. We don't, our government's not the same. We, we respond differently. But the principles that were taught... Or eternal. And that's what we need to look for. The principle here is, is number one, God created humankind. By the way, he created plants and trees, flowers, the moon, the skies, and everything. <clears throat> so the scriptures are clear that God created it, and he gave animals and plants their roles, and then he placed humankind and gave them their specific roles. So from the beginning, God exercised and commanded that he created and he instructs. It's the job of trees and flowers and birds and frogs to do what they were designed to do. And it's kind of shameful the animal world does what they're supposed to do. The plants and trees and flowers do what they're supposed to do. It's the humans that are failing. They're the ones that have fallen short. So the important thing here is remember that God created us, He has instructions for us, and He expects us to follow them. Now, if you just know those three points, that should make a major difference in, the, in how you see the world and how you respond to the world, if you truly believe that. Now, in your head, most of you would say, yeah, I believe that. But that means every single aspect of your life is under his control. And we are to follow it and do what he says. Now, by the way, as a side issue, it also settles the issue of, of gender. God created male and female. 
and he did, it's nothing in between. There's no back and forth. This is, this is a biblical model. Now, I know the world has a different one. That's the world, and you can choose that, and that's, that's your choice. But the biblical model says man, male and female, were created unique and special. And in the context here, it also shows that they are of equal value and worth. In our society, well, it's not just today. It's been going on for hundreds and thousands of years. And it's shameful. And as a male human, I am ashamed of many of the ways that men have treated women in the past. It is unbiblical, it's ungodly, and it's unacceptable. Men, male and female, were created by God, equal, loved, and of worth. And to show any less is to show your disrespect, not only to the females, but to disrespect their creator, God, who informed us. So, just in case you're wondering where I stand on that, uh, especially with all the uh, things that are going on in our society today, is that, that, that focus of that uniqueness. But with that in mind, now there may be a question too, is some of you may be wondering, there seems to be a little difference. Chapter 1, it talks about male and female, and then chapter 2, it says male was created and then female later. If you want to look in Mark chapter 10, but some of you may be saying, well, that's the Old Testament. What does the New Testament say? What does Jesus say? Well, Jesus says this comment, and it's recorded in Matthew and in Mark. Mark chapter 10, verses 6 through 9. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united in his wife, to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So this is Jesus affirming and confirming Genesis 1 and 2. Actually, he goes on and, and mentions all, nearly all the first 11 chapters of Genesis, different issues. So there is no question that Jesus affirmed the Genesis teaching. Male and female, one flesh, and that, that relationship was to be one that honored and, brought and was to be up, uplifted. So it's very clear that the key elements here is that there is to be a loyal and loving partnership. And let me give you the loyal aspect here in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all sexual immoral. So God has set up a pattern, a loyal and loving relationship. That's what a biblical marriage is. Now, if you have a civil marriage or a civil union, then you've got your own set of rules, and you follow those and, and see how that works for you. But the biblical plan is for a Christian man and a Christian woman to join together in a covenant biblical marriage. Personally, I wish that we would have settled this issue long ago and only allowed the use of marriage for those between Christians in a church and just use civil unions or civil marriages for anything else. Not saying that there's any less marriage, just a, just a separate difference. That would be my preference, but uh, they didn't ask my opinion. But 
the, the focus here is, is that there is to be a loyal and loving partnership between male and female of love and support, encouragement, that recognize God as creator, listens to instructions, and then they partner together to carry those instructions out. So that's the first basic uh, foundational block. Let's look at the second one. Marriage is designed to mirror God's covenant relationship with his people. See, God created us out of love to be in a relationship with him. Now, I, I preached in a sermon before, there are three basic relationships that we all are to be involved in. One is between us and God, that relationship. There's also a relationship between us and nature and creation around us. We were, we were commanded to uh, care for, to tend and to uh, subdue and to care for the, the world around us. So that's a relationship there. And then the relationship between one another. Now, God is involved in all three of those things. Because God created us, and because God created the earth, we should, as Christians, be the best environmentalist around. We've left it to the liberals and the progressives to take that on as their flagship. And they've turned it into a mother earth worship. Well, we are a Father God fellowship. And we should take care of the world around us because God created it and instructed us to do so. God also created marriage. He created it. He formed it together. And since he created and gave instructions for it, then the marriage should respond to God's principles and calls. And that relationship, that marriage relationship, should mirror the relationship that God has for us. The love that God has for us, the love that Jesus showed to us, that's the love that is to be the, uh, the, the main aspect and revelation of a marriage relationship. Marriage is not just to procreate and to bring kids in the world. It's not just to save your own tax money. It's not just to have somebody to talk to. Those things are nice. Marriage is designed to be a mirror, a reflection of Christ's love for us. Ephesians chapter 5. I read part of this yesterday. Uh, Becky Hawthorne's son, uh, Scott, and you, uh, daughter-in-law Casey got married yesterday. And I read this scripture and talked a little bit about some of these principles here. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Just as Christ, Jesus Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And I have that in the insert too if you want to follow along. Verse 27. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one has ever hated their own body. But they care, feed, and care, feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are all members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and his wife must respect her husband. Jesus is taking that 
Genesis 1 model, 1 and 2 model, and putting into a, a current context that a marriage is designed to be a reflection, a place, an opportunity for the love of Christ to flow through and to shine through and to reflect the best example of Christ's love. Greater than that of a parent or child. Greater than that of siblings and friendships. The marriage relationship is the foundational principle upon which our society and all. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit. But it's important to remember that God has a plan for marriage. He has instructions for that. And He expects us to follow them. And if we want His blessing, and if we want to be authentic, genuine people of faith, then we need to choose to follow His guidelines. Not the laws and the values of society or even of your family. Because some of your family beliefs are wrong. It doesn't mean you don't love your parents or your family members or children. But wrong is wrong. And love does not have anything to do with that. You know, if it's wrong, it's wrong. And we are talking about what is right, biblically speaking. Now again, I'm saying biblical because the majority of the world does not agree with what I'm saying this morning. The majority of the world does not agree with what you're thinking or saying this morning. And unfortunately, many in the supposed Christian world, many of the progressives and the liberals, they would not agree with male and female being the only relationship. They would not agree of this covenant relationship. They, they have a, a relaxed, they've been uh, con- convoluted by the world, and so they have done it. And that's within many Christian denominations. So we are the minority, and we need to understand that. But we don't need to, to get defeated or feel like failures, but we are to be the light for this society. There is still hope as long as the sun is still shining and uh, the air is still there for us to breathe. We have an opportunity to make a difference. Each one of us are to be an example of God's love as a single person or as a married person. And they're both equally valuable. But God has put that marriage relationship as his supreme example Or it should be the supreme example. Because in that relationship, the husband should love the wife as Christ loved the church. And the wife in the same fashion. It's a mutual submission. Now I know the word submission has gone through a lot of uh, trouble. And there's a lot of issues uh, in society. And uh, because of, uh, in some cases, not all, but some cases of men... uh, pressure and putting uh, down women in the past, some women have had a chance to sort of rise up and to throw off any kind of fellowship or leadership of the male. Now, whatever you believe, you can believe. But the Bible states that the husband or the father is held accountable by God for that family. And there's a unique word called husband. Now, I want to read a scripture that may kind of throw you off at first. 
It's Isaiah 54, 5. For your maker, God the creator, the Lord is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. The God of the whole earth, he is called. Now, for those of us who are men, that may be a little bit of an issue to think of God as our husband. But that's because we have the wrong understanding of what husband is. Husband comes from the word shortened of house band. One who connects and joins together a house. It's the connecting focus. It's one who is charged with holding a family together. Now, you see how God then is our husband in that sense? To hold us together, to connect us together. And then he has charged men and husbands to be the the primary fulfiller of that role. But because the scripture says women are to mutually submit to one another, that means they are to mutually submit to God, to Christ. So your role is the same. Even though the male is held fully accountable, your role is to be there sharing, building, submitting, and bringing the house together. And loving is Christ's love. If you truly, if you have, you're married to someone or you have a family or a friend or a co-worker who loves you like Christ loves the church and loves you, don't you feel that you would be very open to working with them, loving with them, sharing with them, and being in a a good relationship. You see, God loves us. He created us, and He wants our marriages. He wants our jobs, our finances, our single life, our hobbies, whatever it is in your life, to be infused with that heavenly, loyal love. And everything that we do, whether it's in our businesses, our families, our hobbies should reflect that love. And if it's not, then we're not being genuine and authentic. I'm not saying you're just a terrible person. You're just not, we're just not being genuine and authentic. And this is what we need to strive for and achieve for. Because the marriage relationship or your friendships or your families, your co-worker relationships should be based upon that same first principle of love and loyalty. Those things transpire and go across all areas of relationships, no matter what it is. 1 Corinthians 13 gives us that clarity. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That's the type of love that should be revealed in a marriage relationship. It's the type of love that should be in a parent-child relationship, in a friendship relationship, in a co-worker relationship. Love and loyalty are still the key. And whatever relationship you are in, whatever stage you are in, you have a responsibility to acknowledge God created you, He loved you, He instructed you, and He has a plan and a pattern for you to follow. And that everything that we do should be infused with that love. And let's look at the last point. Well, actually, there's one more verse I wanted that, that kind of just helps us with general relationships. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. 
And that's that key aspect. Now the last one, marriage is the firmest foundation for building a family and a society. God created this earth. He created humans. And he immediately put a marriage into place. And then he set up the family. The family begins with marriage. Many times people have, they they, they reverse that. That's the world's model. And it's probably one of the most used and uh, the one that's more prevalent. But God's model is, is for a Christian man and a Christian woman to join together in a loving, loyal relationship with intent of mirroring God's covenant love. And then to use that to build a family, a church, a nation, a society. You see, the marriage is the foundational principle of God's work here on this earth. And now we can see why the world is the way it is. It's because they have abandoned the biblical model of marriage, of family, and relationships. And when you abandon God's model, then you lose access to all His blessings and wisdom and guidance. And you're left to whatever earthly human wisdom and knowledge will give you. That's why there's so much sadness and and, and problems in the world. A marriage or family, relationships, needs to be bound together by that covenant love. Let me read a passage in Ecclesiastes. Two are better than one, and because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person keep warm? And if someone overpowers that person, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. In our marriages, in our families, in our relationships... It's, you know, if you think of it as a one-on-one, whether it's a friend or family or a spouse, then that's, that's two of you. Where's the third chord? Well, it's God. His holy love that's just pull, that should be weaving in and pulling you together. That's that infusing that I'm talking about. Every relationship that you have, God should be wrapped around you and that other person and b- b- pulling you together. And love and understanding. All the time, you're patient, you're kind, you're understanding, you're loyal, you're loving. You see, can you see what a difference it would make if Christians began acting like that? Just Christians. And then we could influence the rest of the world to move in this area. Well, I want to close it out here with just a few basic reminders of what it is in general practically for our relationships in any relationship you need to give 100% there's no such thing as 50-50 idea we give 100% whatever it is whether it's in friendship in your job in your, to your parents, your family or to your spouse 100% you need to honor and respect your spouse or your family member or your friend or your co-worker But honor and respect needs to be in every aspect if we want authentic, genuine faith. We need to set a positive example. Too many times we are critical, we're negative, we're judging. We're always looking for the worst. Now, it may be based upon an idea that you're trying to help correct and get them to the right point. 
But if you focus too much on the negative and the critical, then it just turns into judgment and it builds a wall. You can still be honest, speaking the truth in love. As I said before, just because a family member or a spouse says or believes something, you don't have to necessarily agree with it. You can disagree, but you can do so lovingly. And, of course, the fourth one is communicating love. And I think that's a key across that's in, our, in our relationships here at church, between church members, family members, friends, coworkers, and especially in the spouses. You need to communicate. Communicate in love. And then this last one is for all of us here. You need to pray, worship, and read the Bible together. If you will sit down with somebody, whether it's your spouse or friend or co-worker, and you pray and read the Bible with them, and you worship together, the, the anger, the frustration, the, the, the embitterness will just melt away. Because as you grow closer together and you pray and worship, families, you should be praying, worshiping, reading the Bible together. If not, you are shortchanging your family and you are not following God's specific plans. God has a plan. He has the best plan. The world has a plan. If you truly want an authentic, genuine, life-changing faith, you need to build it on the firm foundation of God's principles. Not American principles, even though most of them are good. Not on your family tradition, even though they may be good in some. God's principles overrules everything. And it's the only one that matters when you're seeking to be an authentic, genuine, biblical person. If you're not seeking to do that, then I should have told you up front, you could just take a nap through this message because it's, it's just wasteful for you. But that's my desire, and I hope that's your desire, that your relationships will be infused with love and the loyalty of the covenant God and that your life, in whatever status of marriage or singleness you are, you reflect God's love and every relationship, love, loyalty, fused with the love of Christ and those principles that I talked about earlier. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for a few moments? We're going to move into a time of, just a brief time of reflection. Well, I'm asking you to just consider, even if not what I said, what the scriptures say, which is the most important. And evaluate your relationships, whether you're married or single your friendships, your, your co-workers, your family. Is that relationship, just think of one person, just one at a time, in your family or your network. Are you loving and loyal in that relationship? Is the love of Christ flowing through you? And is that the key that you want to respect and honor and share with them? And really realize that our whole existence is to reflect and share the love of Christ. Christians, I want to challenge you here and myself to commit here and now to reflecting Christ's love and his loyalty in every relationship that we have. 
and to model that for others that we know that need it, that we lovingly share, there's a firm foundation to build relationships on. But they need to see it in you first. So commit to that now. Maybe you want to come pray in the altar. Maybe you have other decisions you want to make here. Maybe some of you want to join this family. You want to join this church. Now is the time. Or most importantly, if there's some of you here that you're not sure of your salvation. God created you, and he wants you to be part of his family. But you have to agree. It's a choice that you make to trust in God as Father and Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's an intentional, deliberate choice. If you'd like to do that this morning, I'd like to ask you to stand up and come on down and talk with me. Let's pray. Nobody's looking, won't embarrass you. You don't have to join this church and become a Baptist if you don't, don't want to. But you need to make sure that you are secure in your salvation so that the love of God then can flow in you and in every relationship that you're involved in. Every one of us here is all con- consumed with relationships in one way or another. Every one of us. Relationships affect us in the, one of the greatest ways in our life. Let's make these relationships positive, loving, caring, and loyal. This is Pastor Moke again. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this sermon. Maybe something you've heard of the message or read of the notes has challenged your thinking about your faith. If so, our staff is here to help in whatever way we can. Or if you prefer, check out the Faith Life tab located on our homepage at www.fbcbroussard.com. There you can find answers about salvation, spiritual growth, and getting plugged into a local church. And don't forget to check out the other sermons in this series as well. May God bless you.